It's been a tough couple of months, and so we're talking today with Chris and Beth Bruno about how to deal with and lead our families through the emotional ups and downs of quarantine. Chris and Beth share some of their experiences, ideas, and some encouragement for anybody who feels overwhelmed right now. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. But you can have a legendary marriage filled with passion, fun, and adventure together. That's why each week we share stories and ideas about building a life, a love, and a legacy together. And at the end of every episode, we challenge you to find a time with your spouse to build more intimacy and connection by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 177. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin. 177. That's crazy to me. Oh, I thought you were like arguing with me about it. No, like, That wasn't no. really the number. No, it is. Yes, it is. It's starting to feel old. <laughs> we're a cent- We're almost a double centigenarian. F- uh, you know how uh, when oh, somebody yeah, reaches yeah, yeah. 100, they're yeah. called a centigenarian? Yeah. Um, speaking of old people things, I like to dangle my feet in the little inflatable pool that we now have in our backyard. I feel yeah. like that was, I have this picture of my grandmother doing that when I was a little kid. That was what she would always do. She would like grease herself up with uh, baby oil, sit on the side of the this pool image is and dangle a disturbing her feet in the pool. Turn. What? Well, I'm just saying, don't go, don't say more about it. I'm just saying we got the girls a little inflatable pool for the backyard, and it's been delightful. Yes. And to those of you who are listening and in the middle of a snowstorm today up north, (laughs) it was 92 degrees here in Austin yesterday. To those of you that want to picture my grandmother with baby oil greased up on the side of the pool. I will cut you off. (laughs) Okay. So um, the pool is, is just like everything is different now yeah right like we're trying to figure out are do we have meat to eat like you know you know well we could eat a hamburger what and are we gonna dangle do with our these kids the, the, the quote end of the school year is coming very quickly oh yeah i can't and, wait and um so like we're just trying to figure out how we're going to keep these kids occupied and safe and and everything. And but you know what, honey? I can always depend on you. You have like, especially in the last week or two, I've just been noticing that you're like our rock. You have everybody's back. I you're looking out like for jello, us. I feel like but I, I appreciate that. What do you mean you feel like jello? I've just been, I have been so tapped out. I'm tapped out. I'm tired. I'm irritable. I'm just, I'm sad. Do you feel like it's because you're pouring out so much for other people? Um, because no, you are I doing that. Like, uh, I think it's more um, just where we're at, where the world is at. Yeah, I just sadness. I'm just. Ugh. I okay, kind of want to curl well, up. I was about to say, well, then that's the perfect conversation that yeah. we have today. Yeah. You, you probably need it more than anybody. You guys, I know life has been tough lately. Um, the world continues to go through this complex, traumatic time. We just all have to find our own ways to process, to yeah. move forward as couples, as parents, as leaders in the world. 
Um, so that's why we're super excited to have Chris and Beth Bruno on the show today. Yes. Um, Chris and Beth Bruno are, uh, well, let's see here. They host the Walking With podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth also hosts a, a podcast called Fierce and Lovely. Mm-hmm. Ladies, you'll want to check that out. Together, they also lead Restoration Counseling of Northern Colorado. They've been on the show before in episodes 65 and 97. Uh So if you haven't listened to those conversations yet, you'll want to after this one. Um, Like I shared, I'm just in this place. Yeah. And this conversation with Chris and Beth was just uh, a breath of fresh air and calm and hope and peace. So we knew these two were just like the perfect guests to have on the show. So we are so excited to share our conversation with Chris and Beth Bruno. Let's get to it. All right, you guys, we are so happy to have Chris and Beth Bruno back on the show. I mean, I don't know that this is for, you know, a happy reason um, because... Well, I mean, we're happy to see you guys. Yeah, I mean, they do restoration counseling and they work specifically with men and women. And we've had them on the show before um, and we love to have them. But specifically today, we're talking about the trauma responses that are happening within the quarantine of COVID-19 and what we're experiencing right now and how we can address that and what we might even be experiencing in the future next year, maybe when things get back to normal. Um, So you guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome back. How y'all doing? Thanks for having us back. Feels good to be liked, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Um, I want to know, how have you guys experienced quarantine? Like, have you been noticing anything in yourselves or in your family that are popping up that you're like, oh, that's a traumatic response? Like, or maybe even your friends and family. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for us, the first couple weeks of it was just trying to get our bearings on what needs to happen, what needs to happen for our kids, what needs to happen for our family, what needs to happen for our food pantry, what needs to happen for, you know, our finances that just get our bearings on what's happening. And then really after probably the second week, we took a kind of a collective breath and going, oh, wow, that was a lot. (laughs) And, um, just had to come kind of sit down for a minute and go, okay, now where are we? What, what just happened? And, and as we enter into this quarantine, stay at home orders, whatever you want to call it, like what is ahead still? Um, so that was our first, our first response, right? I noticed some trauma responses as well in myself. I started to um, have this kind of gut reaction to create some order and some kind of bring some beauty and order to my world. And one of the things we did early on was we put this massive piece of paper along our outside fence facing out to the major street in our neighborhood. It's like 25 feet long and invited neighbors to just do this public art display and write on it. It's like a graffiti wall. And I look over it from my office, from my bedroom office slash office window, and I get to watch it all day. But I started to realize that for me is the way that I bring order to chaos. And I'm feeling the same way I used to feel when we lived overseas in a crazy city in a crazy, uncontrollable kind of life. And it always felt chaotic. And my response was bring order, 
create beauty. And I, I did that in my home with my food, with our hospitality. And so I found myself kind of hearkening back to that, like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm feeling totally out of control and chaotic inside. And I am trying to do something that brings a little bit of order and beauty to my outside world. And I used to do that when I lived overseas. So that's just one example of where I've seen some trauma response. Another thing that we didn't do consciously right at the beginning, but kind of as we sat down and reflected afterwards was that we were, we were returning, you know, okay. So everybody's on Netflix, right. And everybody's like streaming shows and whatever. So we were on and we were looking for something to watch. And uh, one of the apps that we have, it popped up uh, with some old uh, TV shows, like old, old, like when we were young TV shows. And so we started to watch, right. Um, we started to watch a few of those and subjected our poor children to like episode one of the Jeffersons and episode one. Oh, yes. Knight Rider and episode one of Good Times, like all that kind of stuff. So, and then we were just so intrigued with it. We were watching it. We were doing all that. And later we went and kind of sat down, like, what was that that drew us to those shows? And it was, we kind of discovered that was something about our own childhood and the innocence of childhood and the safety of having, um, having parents and having just, you know, the, the freedom to just sit on the couch and watch a show and not have to worry about anything on the outside world. Yeah. That's what Beth and I were like drawn to was just that space of comfort of childhood. Because mm-hmm. you're, you kick into this gear of holding so much together. Now we're holding our, our kids' education together, our jobs, the fear of finances, like all the things and just that desire to have to feel like someone's bigger than us and parenting us. <laughs> and so we just found ourselves being nostalgic for that time period in our lives where we were not the biggest person in the room. Um, I like the the idea of the nostalgia comfort kind of thing because I found that like if you go to the grocery store, like the baking aisle, there's nothing in the baking oh aisle gosh. because everybody's like making cookies and brownies and cakes and, you know, all these kind of things. And I think it's a comfort food kind of a like, Ooh. okay, if we bake brownies, then everything's going to be okay. Or we've even seen neighbors that put up Christmas lights um, because it's like, it makes you feel good. Okay. People are have Christmas lights out. And um, actually I was listening to Sirius Radio the other day, they've turned back on the Christmas channel, Holly, um, just to, I, I think, I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> I think just to make people feel happy and okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering too, is like, um, I'm, I'm particularly concerned about my kids. My kids are five and eight and obviously they're a lot of kids, um, parents listening here, are not finishing the school year at their school. And um, I feel like there's waves of understanding of like, like you said, in the beginning, it's like go mode. Like the first two weeks, you're like, yeah. okay, stock the pantry, you know, do the things, you know, get all the stuff that we need. And then when that wears off... Wrestle people for toilet paper. Yeah, wrestle yeah. people for toilet paper. Um, so there's just like, I feel like for me, there's waves of like, oh, shoot, this is still real. Like, yeah. oh, no, this is getting really real. For us and for, for them. I was sharing with you guys, like I have effectively turned into like because I don't think they're going back to school for the rest of the year, I've effectively turned into like, and we live in Austin, Texas, so I can make this mindset shift. It's summer now. 
<laughs> like it's basically summer now. And so there's no amusement parks. There's no water parks. There's no going to the pool. There's no going to the beach. There's none of that. There's no travel up, you know, to go see so-and-so all those things that we love to do in the summer, go camping at the campgrounds, all those things that I mentioned are closed. <laughs> well, they're closed or we don't know if they're going to or when they're going to open or what the, you know, if you so, be able to get a spot. So know? I'm looking, I'm now like in the last week, I'm looking at the summer and feeling very sad. Like, yeah. like what is summer going to be like when we're not able to do any of these things? Like I, I see the depression type thing setting in. And as much as we try to do nice things, you know, it's not the same. So I don't know what you, what your thoughts are on that when you, you, you reach a new level of reality where you're like, this summer is going to (laughs) stink. You know, guys, I, what you're describing here, I just, let me bring a couple of categories with trauma. Okay. Because there's, there's different types of trauma. There's acute trauma, which is uh, something that happens in a flash, like a, a car accident or um, some kind of, you know, some kind of violence or, or something like there's an acute moment of trauma mm-hmm. that comes, it happens, it goes, and it's over. And you know that it's over. Okay. So that's one piece. There's the other piece is sustained trauma. And this is where there is this like longer term uh, element of uh, difficulty, suffering, uh, challenges, right? And Beth just mentioned, you know, when we lived overseas, we were in a mega city overseas, and it was a difficult place. And so there wasn't necessarily always acute trauma, but it was the sustained space of this is hard. It's mm-hmm. just hard to live in. Chronic illness is one of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, family uh, child abuse is. Uh, is sustained over time. Okay. Domestic violence is sustained over time. So those are, that's another type of trauma. And so what you never know what to expect next. Well, you never know what to expect next. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. Right. Um, But you do have some level of ideas that it might. What we've just gone through is both acute trauma and sustained trauma together. And where we don't have anyone who's who should have the strength to get us out of it, right? All the people that we've looked to have uh, protective strength or uh, leadership strength or whatever, uh, they're not, right? They're not giving us any sense of when this is going to be over. And so we also have this trauma of, uh, of loss, not only loss of like the summer plans and that the, the pools will be closed, but the loss of hope that anyone is going to get us out of this. There's no end in sight. There's no end in sight. And so we have to address both the acute trauma of the lockdown happened. People are starting to die. We've got to do something that immediate, you know, pivot to everybody's now home to the sustained trauma of we're, we're just in this for the long haul and the loss of no one's going to get us out. Um, and that's a totally different place than most of us have been. Yeah. Beth, I'm wondering you, like as a mom, like how have you, um, consoled your kids 
through, through this because I need, I need help mom to mom too, because I feel like in the beginning, well, we have grandparents here that also came for a couple week visit and they're from Ohio and their state got shut down. They were one of the earliest states to shut down. And so there was a lot of like, should we travel back? Shouldn't we? It's like a 24 hour drive. They had driven here. And so we just decided all of us that it was going to be the best for them to stay here. So my parents are living with us for who knows how long. Um, they came for a two week stay and they've been here for almost two months, almost two months now. Wow. And so grandma and grandpa are definitely factored into this too. So it's like, we have three generations of people that we're trying to like, you four, know, four, com- including the dog, <laughs> comfort, <laughs> navigate, whatever you want to say. But like, as a mom, how do you talk to your kids about like, you know, making them feel okay here? That's a great question. And my kids are older, quite a bit older than yours. And so age plays a role for sure. Um, we've got two teenage girls still at at home with us. Our son is living on campus and decided to stay in his house on campus. Oh, wow. um, Because he knew he would go absolutely crazy here at our, at our home. And that was a good call on his. Is his campus even open? No, (laughs) not, but his friends are, many of them stuck around on his, you know, block and they're hanging out. You know, so anyways, but our girls here at home and they're different, they're different personalities. So we have an internal processor and an external processor Mm. and uh, the external processor started processing before lockdown happened, right? She was already anticipating um, loss and had lots of words around it. And so we just, we gradually experienced loss after loss with her as the dominoes began to fall. And she began to realize that conference that I was looking forward to is over and prom is not happening. Mm. And I'm not going to see these, you know, many of these friends again, because they're going to graduate and that'll be that she's a junior. I can't imagine for the moms who've got seniors who have just completely yeah. lost graduation. So for, for our external processor, it was just being present with her as she processed each new loss. Um, and that's in some ways is easier, even though in the moment, that's a lot of emotion to hold and um, to, to, I carry their emotion as well. And so for me, it was just, it's always double duty with her. Um, but the internal processor is harder and it took a lot longer for her to find words for all that she was feeling inside. Mm-hmm. And I will say, actually, it, ha- it wasn't until just last week, a few days ago, that she began to articulate the, the, she's an eighth grader. So she did lose graduation and she's going to a different school. And so she knows she won't Mm. see these people again, but for her, the big loss was I'll never get to do a day in the life of eighth grade again. And Mm. if I could go back just for one, because our schools have been closed for the rest of the year. Yeah. So when that came down and she really felt that the weight of that, she said, you know, I would just go back through the hallways. I'd appreciate everything differently. I'd, I'd remember what it feels like when I rub my hands down the stairwell, as I go downstairs and the skip I have on the way to my last class and just all the things she realized I'll never have that again. And even if we get to do a reunion in the summer, I'll never have a day in the life 
in that school ever again. And so she finally had words for that, um, which was great. And our role in that as moms and dads is just to listen, just to be present in that moment and to reflect back. I hear you. That is hard. We can't take away the loss. I can't change the fact that she'll never have a junior prom or she'll never have an eighth grade graduation and no amount of creative substitution is going to remove that pain. And so I think what we do in those moments is we just sit with them in that pain and we just listen and reflect back. And maybe we share our own. I've had plenty of things get canceled too, that I'm incredibly disappointed about. And they know that they hear that as well. Um, so that's, you know, that's for me as a teen moms of teens. Um, do you have some thoughts? Well, I was, I, when you said there were the, they do things so differently, like our youngest one is extremely in touch with her emotions. You would say like, Uh, she's always on the highly sensitive and my oldest, she'll bottle it up a little bit, but then she'll have this inappropriate humor. Like the, the little one is talking about her birthdays in May and she's saying like, I don't think I'm going to get to have a birthday party and, you know, like all these things about her birthday and she was getting really sad about it. And then our oldest jumps in and goes, who knows? We might all be dead by your birthday. And we're like, oh my gosh. Okay. That was kind of... And of course of- the youngest one goes... I'm going to be dead by my birthday. (laughs) You're like, oh gosh, could these two be more different in how they're like showing up here? This one's like sharing a heartfelt moment about her birthday party. And the other one's joking about everybody being dead. You're like, um, okay. I, what are both of these two doing? I don't know. Well, you know, though, you know how different they are. You've named this is how they handle disappointment and pain. And I think that's the first win as a mom in in hard times like this is to recognize, okay, this is how he handles his loss. And I'm going to just let that go because this is how he's handling it. That's win number one. Yeah. (laughs) You said something really interesting, Beth, like we need to find ways to hold space for the grief for the, for the loss to be. And I think it's so tempting. Like uh, it's, I'm making a judgment in some ways, but I see so much like in our neighborhood Facebook group of people or who are like, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do, we're going to all, we're all going to make these art things and put them in the windows and everybody's going to look, we're going to do them on the sidewalk chalk things. And we're going to do this and 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 this. And, and wouldn't it be every nice if everybody cleaned up their yard during this quarantine? Since everybody's got lots of time. Why don't you clean up your yards? And like, <laughs> but like we're trying. I think it's it's a tendency to try to replace the loss, or to to try to avoid holding the space, being in the space, just with busyness. Mm-hmm. And I just. I'm exhausted. Like we aren't doing that. Like we, we, we're trying to kind of balance it, but I'm just exhausted looking at the stuff and, and seeing it all over social media, the impossible, you know, standard of, you know, constant creativity and busyness. Well, that's, you said avoid it. And I would actually say to escape the loss Mm, that, that, the best way to engage this kind of space is to this kind of time frame is to create the space to actually face the loss and the grief rather than mm-hmm. to run from it. 
And that, that's what actually helps our children process what is going on. And if you're just replacing, like you said, with more activities or more busyness, um, you're just merely entertaining and and giving them more like mind numbing experiences that are not actually going to help them know how to come out of this. Yeah. That's what what we're going to need. What are we so afraid of? What are we so afraid of about being in that place? I personally, I think it's, we're afraid of being out of control. Mm. We're afraid of not having a sense of control over our worlds and our lives. And so what I'm seeing people do, just like you talked about there is uh, creating things that then we can control um, rather than recognizing, no, we are out of control here. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's hard. And it's hard to be in that place for so long, right? Like that was my need of, I need to come bring some sort of order to this because this is too long. I'm now incredibly uncomfortable. And I think that if I've seen anything in terms of a collective cycle, it's that we were okay with some of the grief and disappointment for a while. Yeah. And then we were all done with it and ready to, you know, do our yards and make plans and have hope and look forward again, especially as an American society and as a Christian society, right? Mm-hmm. It's time to focus on hope again. And I think that's true. That's good. We need to lift our eyes up and have hope, but how do we allow the cycle to just keep coming, the grief to mm-hmm. just keep coming and then hope and grief and hope and embrace both and live in that tension, I think is probably healthy for us. But I don't know why. Maybe you guys can speak to this. I don't know why it seems to come in waves. Like you said, like there was this go mode and then you're like, oh crap, this is real. Okay. So now we're going to fix our yards. And then at a point you're like, okay, my yard looks good now. So, oh crap, this is still going on. Like now I'm really sad and I don't want to get out of bed. And then you have hope again. And then, you know, it feels like it just, it keeps hitting you and then you're okay. And then it hits you again and then you're okay. (laughs) So I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's to me, it just feels like that's just the cycle of life, right? That there are, there are summers, there are falls, there are winters, there are springs, there are rhythms that are built into our world and our lives. And so as we, as we're engaging this new season, there will be ups and downs. There will be days and nights that we'll have to engage and you do things differently in each of those spaces. I think one of the, the challenges, though, is that when we resist the night, when we resist mm-hmm. the winter, it's when that's the feeling of go do your yard or let's do this, you know, driveway chalk art kind of thing. Let's fill it with busyness because we want to resist entering into the night. I think as parents, our job is not only to protect our children, and I think there needs to be some level of protection that we offer our kids, but far more our role as parents is to help our children process pain, not just protect them from it. And when we can't protect them from the pain that they're experiencing now, we actually have to help them know this is how we process it and how we come back out the other side and and find a level of hope again. That that I think is what cyclically is happening with, uh, with these waves that we're going through, but also what How we're... do you create that space and time for your kids to process things? Yeah. Well, in our house, what we've done, um, various things. Uh, but one of the things that we've done is actually creating an after dinner before night space for us 
where, uh, you know, for a season it was, we're going to listen to a few songs. We're going to light a candle and each person is going to sit around the living room and I'm going to give a writing prompt. I'm just going to give you, you know, finish the sentence and then whatever else comes to mind. So today I'm excited about blank or, um, you know, I, I'm really sad about blank. And so we would have like seven minutes or so. And, you know, this might not happen for a, a five-year-old, right? Well, or it could be drawing, but you know, it, it could, could be illustration in the same yeah. kind of way. Anything just to kind of create that b- blow up some space a little bit for them to sit in a recognition of what they're feeling and somehow get that out. And then sometimes after, you know, the couple songs we would you know, sit around and talk about what came up for us. And we never actually shared what we wrote uh, in, in our journals. That was all private, but we'd process a little bit and then go on with our night. And just to establish some regular rhythms of uh, honest reflection on what's actually happening right now. Uh, and that I think was helpful for us as a family and has continued to be with other things that, that we're doing. I think Beth's um, she's already said, you know, what we did with the fence and we would regularly go out to the fence that even if we couldn't engage with the people who drew on the, on the paper, we could see and engage with, or engage with the actual people. We could engage with what they drew and what they wrote and the messages that they left. That became a rhythm for us as well. So I think establishing some rhythms in our non-rhythmic days now, right? Homeschooling is all the time or no time. And, you know, it's just all time just blends. I don't even know what day it is right now. Yeah. Uh, Right. Justin, I, I had to tell Justin it was Friday. He thought it was, what day did you think it was? I well, don't know, you know but I was like, it's Friday. Morning. He's like, oh, it is? Oh. You get up in the morning and I, you know, a part of my morning routine is after I've done my like strategy, my personal quiet time and all that stuff, I'll open up my calendar and go, okay, what's on the calendar today? And I'm not even thinking about what day it is. I'm just looking at, okay, <laughs> Some Chris day. and Beth at noon yeah. and, you know. <laughs> this is the thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and especially for kids, it's important for us adults to help establish those rhythms for them because if we don't, they won't. Yeah. And then if we, if they don't have that, then they won't be able to kind of regularly process the trauma that we're all walking through and they ne- can't necessarily name. I think like what's become, I just had kind of one of those little epiphany things. We were talking about control. Beth was talking about that a minute ago and just like, we want to try to control external things. We want to, you know, let's redo the house or, you know, do the landscaping or we want to do something that we can change and create a a finality to like it before and after, Mm. because we're in the middle of this thing that no before, no after starting to forget what it was like (laughs) before. And we don't know what, when, when after is going to be. Um, So we want to have that and that kind of control, like, okay, like I think a little bit of control is good, but, but when we're using it to, like you said, to avoid actually processing or moving through what's happening internally, Mm -hmm. we're using external control to, to avoid internal work. (laughs) It, it just, it just kind of creates a putting fingers in the dam kind of a thing, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And well, is that sustainable? Yeah, yeah. Is it sustainable? No, you're, you're never going to have, we might have yard of the month or the year by the time we're done. We're going to put in, you know, zero landscaping, a fountain, uh, you know, get some. Got to spend that stimulus money, right? Get a bird bath in there. Get it, you know, I don't know what else we could do. Bird bath. I don't know. I was trying to think of something. Mm. But I was wondering, like, what are going to be the after effects? Like, when these kids 
go back to school and they start having their school dances again and they start, you know, and even for us too, as adults, like once we start to engage, I've already seen people, you know, we, we get used to like the social distancing thing, um, which was really weird. I had a moment the other day, I was checking out at the grocery store and there was an older lady behind me that dropped a bottle and like a glass bottle that shattered And, you know, everybody's instinct is to go towards her and like, are you okay? And, you know, that kind of thing. And it was like, it was so weird because everybody had to like, we were wearing masks and you had to be like at a distance. Like, are you okay? Like normally I would go next to her and, you know, kind of say, oh, you know, I've, you know, done this and don't worry and let's get you in another aisle or, you know, something like that. But it's like, I would have had the security on me if I would have done that. <laughs> so it's like, I hope there's not a lot of that that sticks with us. You know, I hope we don't tend to stay at a distance forever. Or maybe it's going to be the opposite. I don't know. But how does this look I mean, after? What are the after effects? Yeah. I think we can't really know. We can't really know. And actually, a lot of people say when everything goes back to normal... And I just don't think that there will that we will go back to normal because everything has changed and the and the world now is a completely different world. I think one of the things that the pandemic has done is it has made every stranger a danger, and it's made me a danger to every stranger, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, we talk about stranger danger with our kids and whatever, and because they might do something to you. Well, everyone in the world now has potentially this danger to give you, and you might actually be dangerous to them. And so when you're talking about the grocery store and having security on you, it's because you're potentially dangerous to that older woman. And I, I do feel like there will be some recovery of some normalcy with regard to our ability to be around each other. Uh, but that's going to take a while. That's that's going to take a while, and we're going to have to emerge into a different world than we did, uh, than we left. Yeah, I think about nine eleven being the last kind of mm-hmm. global trauma that we that we all experienced on some level, and how long did it take to recover? from that and did we ever in some aspects mm-hmm. recover from that no we are in post terrorist world now post 911 in many ways it took i was reading it took the airline industry 6 years to fully recover from the hit they took as a result of 911 mm-hmm. so we have that level if and greater of a global trauma that we have we are all experiencing and so it's going to take a long time to recover from that. And, and in, as Chris said, in some ways, we never will. We'll have a post-corona world. It's interesting to hear you say that, um, just from the standpoint of like, I feel like like so many things, the polarization cues that happen in our culture, politically, theologically, socially. And this is another one where people are go, this is the end of the world, like get in your bunker or... Um, it's just, it's nothing. It's, they're making a big deal, bigger deal out of it. It's not going to be that big a deal. And I think both sides are just a way of, of kind of trying to not process, not, not be in it. Mm-hmm. Does that feel right? Oh, absolutely. And it's, again, it's the avoidance of wanting to actually name what's happening uh, and recognize it. And the, 
The thing that I keep coming back to is that this is not the first time in human history that these kinds of global situations have happened or like massive national situations have happened. People have been resilient. People have navigated through these things before. It's just the first time kind of in our generation where we're having to face this. And and it's a different world because our generation has the internet and our generation has social media and access to all these, the global uh, conversation we have access to where before maybe previous generations didn't. So it's it's different. And yet, I'm convinced that we will be kind of resiliently emerging from this in some ways that will surprise us, actually. It's not all gloom and doom. I think the human spirit will find ways to be creative and emerge into a new space and recognize what has happened to the earth, actually, as a result of humans pulling back. What what has resulted in in, uh, kindness and care for the vulnerable, right? That, that we're all doing this social distancing so that the vulnerable are protected. That's beautiful. I think there's some really amazing things that we'll be able to look back on this time. And yeah, there's been suffering and trauma like we talked about. And the human spirit is so resilient. I'm actually excited to see what we'll look like in five years. Yeah. Yeah. I hope there are certain things that do stick around. Like, I feel like it was so funny. We talk about like staying at home, but like when we go out and we walk our dog in the neighborhood, there are tons of people. I mean, they're not on top of us. They're like on the other side of the street. They're a half a block behind us, but there's tons of people out walking their dogs and riding their bikes with their kids And, you know, you say hi and, oh, hey, people are sitting out on their porch. Nobody ever sits out on their porch. There are people sitting out on their porch, like waving at you as you walk by. Well, just, just oh, hey, how are you doing? You know, you're like, oh, hey, who are you? How are you doing? You know, and I've never experienced that before. Actually seeing human beings out on the streets in our neighborhood. At all hours of the day and night and in between. It's very, I I hope that stays. I hope that stays. Even even my morning run, you know, a couple months ago, I I just, I do about a mile. That's it. It's just, just to wake up. And I usually pass three to five people. Sure. In the morning. And usually it's. The same people. It's, (laughs) no, it's just. You're just an entity passing another entity with almost no acknowledgement or like the, like they, yeah, they yeah, look yeah. down, they're looking at their dog, anything to not. And now it's, everybody's waving, you know, one lady wants to stop and chat. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of a run. I know. I, <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope some of that, like, frankly, some of the distance at the store, if people could stay on their side of the aisle. And Justin loves mean, social I, distancing. I, I don't like I don't like being crowded. I don't like being crowded. Yeah, some people are in their element right now. <laughs> yeah. Um Chris, uh, like I want to I want to I want to check in with you. Like we've talked a lot about moms and about kids, particularly over the last few weeks on the on the podcast, but um like there's a thing happening for guys too, like men coming back into the home in a new way, working from home. Um, and there's just something like, I've noticed I'm on edge. Like a protection thing? Yeah, like, okay, are, do, do we have everything we need? Is everybody safe? You know, how do I keep people safe? How, like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Like, there's a certain amount of the, the routine normalcy of like, you do, go to work, you bring home a paycheck and that's the job. Like there's on the most elemental level, I, I hate to overly simplify it like that, but, but there's, it's just, 
everything's upended. And I'm, I'm like, how, where are you? How are you doing in the middle of this? <laughs> I, I hear you with that, Justin. And I feel like there's a lot of guys that are experiencing that. Um, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what's going to be required of me today? Yeah. Right. What's going to be required of me a business? What's going to be required of me on my, on my team? What's going to be required of me for my family? Um, I've tried many times to be the one to go out to the store as much as possible. Right. I've tried to make sure that we have what we need for sure. Um, but I also think that there's, there's something that, this this pandemic is giving men an opportunity that maybe they didn't have before or maybe they didn't take before. And that is to actually be emotionally and physically present in the home and intentional with their, their wives and intentional with their children. That, um, that all those other excuses going off to work and, and, you know, like you just said, bringing home the proverbial paycheck kind of a thing uh, are are good, but we hide behind that and use that as a protection for ourselves so that we don't have to engage. We don't have to show up emotionally. We don't have to be present in the home. And I think this pandemic is going to be an amazing thing for men to actually live into in being the the husbands and fathers and brothers and sons and and all that that we really are supposed to be and and can be. Um, So I think if there ever was a time for intentional fathering, it's now. I think if there ever was a time for intentional husbanding, it's now. Um, so that, that's my take on it. And, uh, the, the reality is that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. A lot of guys don't know how to do that. A a lot of guys don't even know what emotional engagement is necessarily. Um, and I think this is a great opportunity to, to begin to discover what happens when you spend not just 30 minutes with your kids, but an hour and 30 minutes with your kids? What shifts in them? What shifts in you? And um, really with them. And yeah. And really with them. Not because checking your work email. I, well, and if I'm <laughs> honest, like, I feel like some days I'm shifting the other way. Cause like I've been working from home for eight years or so. Um, you know, I, so like, there's a lot about this that doesn't feel different to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I've had this weird reaction. We were talking earlier about like moving toward busyness. I've had this weird reaction in some ways where I'm like, well, like, and we are uh, like, I keep saying we're so, so blessed, so lucky to have Daniel's parents here and they're helping with the kids and it's, and helping around the house. And it's like, we've got this teamwork makes the dream work thing going. Um, And, and I never want to take that for granted. And I feel like I'm, I've moved away a little bit in some ways. Hmm. Like, well, like, they got stuff going on. So I can, I can spend some time, keep doing this. I can work on this project or this thing that I'm, that I'm doing for work. And I think there's a little, little bit of hiding going on Mm. for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it can be a black and white thing too, because, you know, we keep hearing like, I don't know what the stats are. Maybe you guys do like, you know, they're afraid that suicide rates are going to go up and divorce rates are going to go up and like all these things where, you know, you, you could hide or you could be super intentional or you could just totally go off the deep end. Um, and And that's that's, actually true. Like that's actually, you know, living in the counseling world, like we do, um, domestic violence has gone up significantly. 
um, pornography use has gone up significantly. Alcohol use has gone up significantly. Um, the, you know, and now we don't have uh, other adults don't have eyes on children anymore, at, like teachers and uh, and all that. So you know, bus drivers and whatever. So the kids, if they're in a dangerous situation, or, you know, or an abusive home, no one no one knows. And the other thing that also happens is that the the stress and the anxiety is increased. And all those things, alcohol, porn, abuse, domestic violence, all those things are triggered by stress and anxiety. And they, the more the stress and anxiety, the more that those things come out. So it, it could definitely go in those directions. And that's where, you know, I want to say, can we actually push towards the other direction where we are more present rather than more violent? Hmm. Yeah, I yeah. Th- yeah, that's going to be one of those things where I, I feel like, when we are on the other end of this, that we're going to have these holy crap moments where you're like, oh my gosh, this was going on with my next door neighbor. This was going on with my friend. This was going on with my friend at church, you know, and we have no idea because, you know, sometimes just having other people in your life is just kind of, if you have those tendencies, yeah. It's kind of just like a self-check. It's not like a shame thing, but it's like, okay, I have to be a contributing member of society. Like I can't just drink myself stupid all day long. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but if there's no check on the, there's no check yeah. and balance, then why not drink myself stupid yeah. all day long? I don't have to drive to work. I don't have to, you know, yeah. I can fake it. I can, yeah. whatever. I, yeah. I don't, there's... Yeah, I do think we'll end up looking back and realizing like, oh, there were some amazing, amazing opportunities that we had with our families uh, that were awesome. And I think we'll look back and go, wow, there was a lot more um, harm than we ever anticipated as well. There's, There's a lot of people who are in a place where they can't slow down, like financially, whatever, like their businesses, they're drowning and, and, and the stress level is going up. And there's, there's a lot of folks where, where it's, can we give ourselves permission to, to slow down, to let off the gas a little bit, to go, you know what, I, I can't get 60 hours worth of work done a week. While I'm homeschooling my children. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't hide there. I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to be homeschool mom or dad of the year. You know, maybe my kid doesn't make the Mensa quiz this year. <laughs> um, there are no quizzes. They canceled like, the SAT. Didn't you hear that? <laughs> yeah. it feel, I, you're right, Chris. It feels like there is this huge opportunity. So how do we grab a hold of it? Yeah, I feel like, guys, it's it's a resetting of what our definition of enough is. Mm. It's it's this, like, what is enough? What is enough money? What is enough time? What is enough energy? And I, like I said, I think it's an invitation to reset that and begin to wonder what might be enough where previously we had a, an idea and now all of this is almost forcing us to reevaluate. Well, and to embrace the space instead of fill it immediately. Um, you know, no sports are happening. How many of us would have been running around town right now to different practices and games on weekends and travel you know, we were going to be gone two or three times this month, gone, right? So there's space. So even if we're working still really hard to keep businesses afloat or, you know, money coming in, there's still more space despite that. Um, 
So how do we embrace that and not fill it and keep running and, mm-hmm. and have that sense of what is enough for us? Mm. And we need to hear that today as entrepreneurs and business owners and go-getters. Like, yeah, what is our enough? And how do we need to not push, push, push in this time and, and own the fact that we're tired? Danielle, you said, I'm so tired. And we're not leaving. When was the last time I put on shoes? I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm so tired, you know, and how do we just accept that that's one of the consequences of this weird life that we're in and let our bodies sleep. Embrace a siesta. Like I'm always been a big fan of the siesta about two 30, man, that is my sweet spot. Get in a half an hour and I'm ready to tackle the rest of the day. I am all. <laughs> what, what's this two thirty thing? Like well, pretty much any time. Well, any time, <laughs> but usually after lunch. You know, you could do a little bit after lunch, but then you're like, me, I need my siesta. Yeah. Um, I think it, there's this thing that kind of comes up. I've you've probably seen seen the meme on Facebook. It's like if you aren't using this time to like you know hone your skills and grow your thing and do this and you know come out the other side you know, with, More amazing. with nine pack abs and blah, 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 then you're <laughs> wasting it. And then there's the other side of it where that same one has been like, somebody take, takes it and they put a cross, you know, red X on it and they go like, just survive. Like, you know, like just survive. We're all in a trauma. And I think there's somewhere in between. There is, you know, just we survive were, and about the nine pack abs. <laughs> well, you know, the opportunity, like, what is it? enough what is enough to redefine that to to you know redefine how you relate with your family to to give shape to the values the legacy you want to create together to the relationship you want to create with your spouse and everything and to give give yourself a freaking break like we're human and yeah Beth we're we're tired I'm so tired I feel like the wilderness has always been used for refining Mm. and when and we can either resist it or engage it and when we do engage it we actually come out of the wilderness um, better people and and i don't know that i want to equate better with nine pack abs right because the the better is who you are not symmetrical anyway right (laughs) (laughs) the better is who you are as a person uh and who you are in your relationships and that's what you know, do you want to remember COVID-19 as the year that everything changed in your family and you fell more in love with your spouse and you, you got to know your kids more, or are you going to want to remember it as the year that one year that you had the, the amazing apps, right? In my mind, it's going to be the, let's use the wilderness for what it, what it can actually do to refine us. Yeah. I love it so much. You guys, I feel like most of their words, Beth and Chris will stay with me for a solid week just in my my mind (laughs) i'm so glad to hear that i was gonna say the rest of the day but i'm like no no probably longer i feel like it's um this conversation has been like that um drink of water that you needed (laughs) like oh yes you guys thank you so much for joining us today to talk about you know not only just processing what we have now, but like our hope for the future. And I love that idea of, you know what, you're creating it, whatever you're creating, you're creating it. <laughs> it's your choice, really. So um, we, we have talked about some of the, the kind of danger 
uh, that's happening here, uh, abuse and alcoholism and addictive behaviors and depression and anxiety and stress responses and everything. And I know you guys do some, some great work. And I've seen you guys have made some big shifts like really, pretty quickly to mm-hmm. do an online, mm-hmm. to do groups and individual stuff. Can you t- share? Yeah, if share we need help, how can how we reach can, out? Yeah. Because y'all listening, this, <laughs> it's very real. Like you're not alone. Don't stand alone. Chris and Beth, Restoration Counseling of Northern Colorado is a fantastic resource. And I'm telling you, that, like, tell us, tell us about how people can get a hold and, and what some of the opportunities are right now. Sure. Well, we had already thankfully been shifting a little bit to a virtual team that is in a lot of different states, not just Colorado. So in many ways, we were ready for the big shift that was forced upon us. Um, And so we created immediately, we asked all of our team members, what's your greatest passion? What's your greatest skill? And how can you offer that in a reduced rate support group? fashion. And so they all created these really different offerings and all of that can be found at caredurincorona.com. Some of those are already up and running and they're full, but if this thing keeps going, we'll probably do a round two for a lot of those. um, Mm -hmm. So they can find out more and contact us there to, to inquire. But we do have team members all over the country now. And so even when we go back to whatever normal looks like in our office here in Northern Colorado, we'll still have team members seeing people all over the world. So caredurincorona.com. And that's not just the groups too. It's also individual one-on-one or marriage counseling can happen online. Um, So people can reach out to us. It's all right there at the website Beth just mentioned. Awesome. Oh yes. Thank you so much, Chris and Beth Bruno for joining us on the Legendary Marriage Podcast today. We love you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. There is something just so powerfully calming and soothing about Chris and Beth. Um, that, that conversation just came in the middle of an insane week around here with just a lot of change and uncertainty and craziness. And it just, it gave me so much peace. Uh, I don't know about you. Well, yeah, like I said in the episode, uh, those words stuck with me for a very long time after. So we hope that you found some comfort and hope and some words of wisdom that will stick with y'all too. Yes, and since every episode of our show is designed to encourage you to have conversations that matter with your spouse so that you can build more intimacy and connection, it's now time for... The talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. So here's your conversation starter question. Okay, asking your spouse, what has you feeling uncertain right now? Mm. I feel like that can open up everything. I was just say a whole can of of of, uh, everything there. All right, so we've started this conversation here on the show, and we hope you'll join us for more as we unpack that in our community over on Facebook, legendarymarriage.com slash community. Yeah, Uh, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.